Hello and welcome to Footy Time. My name is Johnny Raff and it's good to be with you all today. If you were lucky enough to go to the Grand Prix, I hope you had a sensational time. It was a belter of a day in Melbourne, considering the interesting weather we had in the days preceding it. I'm near Albert Park and it was great to see a few free air shows on my balcony and also the number of people getting along. I know it's been a while now since we regained our freedom, but it's awesome to see people out and about at events like this and giving our economy a much-needed boost. But of course, most importantly, there was footy. Some say that round three is the very start of the season taking shape. It's when you see if the fairy dust turns into something real. It's when you may genuinely start to wonder about a team's fortunes in a season. It's a pivotal round on the calendar in my book, and this one was no exception. Plenty of stories, plenty of upsets. If you had more than four in footy tipping, you did pretty well. Heaps to get through, so back by popular demand, we're going to run with another episode of Blinders and Shockers. Blinder. Isaac Rankin. Had my reservations about Isaac. He has all the talent in the world, but he had question marks over sustained efforts over the course of a game. But, as it stands in round three, 2023, he has transformed the Adelaide Footy Club. 17 disposals, 5 tackles, and most importantly, 4 goals. I thought he was a little unlucky not to win the showdown medal, actually. Probably the best forward 50 stoppage player in the competition right now, and he would easily be, well, it's only been 3 games, but he'd easily be All-Australian. I was kind of surprised to see Tom Jonas go to him. I mean, Jonas has been a solid defender for a long time, but he was never going to match Rankin for pace and smarts. If Rankin is up and running... You'll almost need to have a dedicated tagger on him because he is just that dangerous and quick thinking at those forward 50 stoppages. They love their goal sneaks in Adelaide and they've got another one for a while yet, it seems. Shocker. Bad kicking for goal. It's the one area of the game that never seems to improve. And I'm really getting tired of talking about it on this show. Check out some of these scores from the weekend. Brisbane kicked seven goals, 11 behinds. Collingwood 8-15, Hawthorne 11-14, Carlton 9 goals, 20 behinds, and Geelong 7-12. There's a few teams doing well there, so it's clearly an across-the-board thing. Now, I know there were also a few good displays of goal-kicking this weekend. The St Kilda-Essendon game was pretty accurate. Melbourne, Adelaide. Speaking of Adelaide, they kicked 12-18 and 10-16 in the first two rounds. Had they have kicked like they did on Saturday night in the showdown, they could be staring at three and zip right now. I heard someone say that set shot accuracy is becoming a blot on the game. Becoming a blot on the game. It's been so bad for so long now, I can't even remember a time when it was good. What it does, though, is it makes you appreciate the safer set shot in the competition. The Jamara Hagens, the Jeremy Camerons, Nick Larkey looks to be a good one as well. You just have to accept that it will never be what we want it to be, but near enough might be good enough, I guess. Blinder. I gave him a little bake last week, so I've got to give him his accolades. Jack Lacocious had what 
can only be described as a coming-of-age performance against the Cats yesterday. Five goals and some big-time marks when the game was in the balance. We said last week he wasn't the type of player who grabs games by the scruff of the neck. Well, he grabbed this one and squeezed the life out of it with a rear naked choke. That 70-metre bomb in the last quarter sent the Suns fans crazy and was a viewer showcase of his talent. Along with Jared Witts and Tuke Miller, his performance propelled the Suns to what may be the finest win in their 13-year history. Loved his work rate throughout the game, and it's over to him now to make sure this is the standard of output that he brings week in, week out. Well done to Jack, and well done to the Suns. They're on the board. Shocker. Not a shot at the team in question, but it really was a shocker of circumstances. The West Coast Eagles brought a very impressive effort and never-say-die attitude in the derby yesterday against the Dockers. At least five players injured in this game for the Eagles, with possibly a few more according to Adam Simpson. Here's the roll call. Jeremy McGovern, serious hamstring injury. Captain Luke Shuey, subbed out with a hammy as well. Alex Witherden, concussed in a collision with Jagger O'Meara. Liam Ryan played most of the second half on one leg after smashing his knee on the turf, flying for a mark. Jamie Cripps ended up in hospital after horrific broken ankle. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in a game. (laughs) It was a game where you always knew Frio were going to cruise into a comfortable victory, but the Eagles kept coming. They battled back to within eight points down at the last change, and early in the last quarter, Jack Darling's set shot brought them back to within two. It was a heroic effort, and while Frio will be happy to be on the board in 23, we'll never know what could have happened if West Coast just didn't have those casualties. Personally, I think that would have been a real shout in this game. And it's unfortunate. We know that they've had a lot of issues with their injuries in previous years, but no one has this luck. This kind of luck is from another postcode, (laughs) seriously, to lose this many men in a given game. Yeah, it's very unlucky. It was a big night for the St Kilda Footy Club on Saturday night. 150 years and a performance that would make all Saints fans very proud. I didn't see a lot for the Saints this year. Uh, I just didn't... I thought it was going to be a real year of growing pains. But they have started in the best fashion possible. They took on the also undefeated Bombers, and right from the get-go in this game, you could tell that they meant business. One thing you always expect from a Ross Line coach team is fitness, structure, and willingness to work, and these Saints showed that in spades. The spread and hard running to use the width of the MCG was very impressive, and it's all about buy-in. When you have a coach with a vision that you believe in as a player, or as a group of players, and a full understanding of what your role is, and then a hunger to go out there and play your butt off on game day, this is exactly what you get. The underlining point for this is that they're still missing many key starters in their lineup. So that's another uh, testament to the coaching and the game plan that they brought. A real intriguing game for them at Marvel next week against the Gold Coast Suns, and a chance to go 4-0. Whether or not they play finals, Banking these early wins are worth their weight in gold, and let's see how they go from here. Shocker. The Brisbane Lions. What happened, man? 60 to 32 clearances last week against the D's, with 20 to 10 in the centre clearances. 
This week, they lose the center clearances 12-4 and 38-33 overall. This was the game that they really needed to show it in down at Marvel. Yes, they were playing a great midfield, but they played a great one last week too. They moved the ball with ease last week and really worked to get out wide against the Ds. This week, the Dogs looked to structure up really well defensively and the Lions just could not move the ball fast at all in this one. Not having Daniel Rich didn't help though. But the main disappointment from Brisbane on Thursday night came from the forward 50. Usually their point of difference, their forwards looked toothless in front of goal. Joey Danaher had a shocker kicking four behinds and burning Charlie Cameron in that long kick outside 50 that blazed away to the right. Speaking of Cameron, he's shown his flashes, but is well down on his usual output. And Eric Hipwood can't get near it at the moment. As a unit, they applied nowhere near enough defensive pressure as the dogs often cantered out of there with the footy repeatedly. If this team is going to go places in 2023, then they are going to have to show more than relying on winning games off contested ball and clearances. I know it's still early and I know it's a little harsh, but the teams at the top have much more to them than just one gear. And Brisbane has yet to show any of their other gears yet. Blinder. Jamara Ugelhagen. After the abuse he copped last week in the St Kilda game, I was really, really impressed with the way he handled himself this week. He uh, did the Nicky Winmar gesture, pointing to his skin after he kicked his first goal, and went on to play an absolute belter of a game, kicking five goals. He's a brilliant set shot. Most teams would love to have him. But what really impressed me about this was the way that the Bulldogs handled this on, a, I guess, a PR side of things. Uh, Luke Beveridge, you know, he may not be going through the best time at the moment, but he's a coach that really backs his players. He'll go to war for them. Uh, I really liked the interview with Jamara straight after the game, and I thought it was great that Marcus Bontempelli, the captain, came over and joined him in that interview, sort of showed a united front. And I really liked seeing Jamara in the press conference, the coach's presser, with Luke Beveridge right next to him. I thought they handled this very well. It's a united front. We're not going to... We're all in this together. And we're not going to tolerate racism of any kind. So a real plus there. An example of something that's being done right in the AFL at the moment. Shocker. The Cats slumped to 0-3 and they're in a massive hole at the moment. Uh, it's a... It's a real interesting state of affairs to go 16 wins in a row and win the Premiership and then to follow that up with three straight losses to start the 2023 season. There's a lot of issues at Geelong at the moment, but I think Tom Hawkins is really emblematic of those problems and they're real problems. Uh, Just not in the right shape at the moment and it's showing. Uh, Tom Stewart was back and probably was their best player, but... Yeah, it's looking like a dysfunctional backline as well at the moment. Just way different to what it was last year. But it seems that the key takeaway is injured and underdone players. I think that's the main thing at the moment. They've yet to play a game at Cadinia Park yet, and maybe that'll be a good chance for them to get back on track with a few home wins. But it's not looking great at the moment. They're looking very slow, and they're having a lot of issues just 
covering the ground at the moment. It's it's very strange because last year they were they looked very good at defending the big open spaces of uh, grounds like the MCG. But yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of this. And uh, who have they got this week? They've got Hawthorne in the Easter Monday game. That's a big game. That's a really big game for them. Uh, they need to get back on the board. They should get back on the board. And yeah, you've just got to get the win and live to fight another day. That's all we've got time for on Footy Time this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, big Easter weekend next week, full of games. Hopefully your team wins. And as usual, we'll be back for more Footy Time. We'll also have a special episode by Daniel Andrews doing a quick recap on the Melbourne and Sydney game yesterday. Uh, I know that there'll be these fans very keen to hear this one. It was a, a very good day for us all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into that one. Keep your eye out for that. We'll have that out in the next 24 hours or so. But in the meantime, bye for now.